Spirit of the living God, we thank you this morning. I thank you for what you are bound to do. Holy Ghost, have your way. I yield my spirit. I yield myself to you. Fill this place with your power. Fill this place with your glory. Holy Ghost, we submit this service into your Lordship. Do that which only you can do. See to it that no one leaves this service the same way that he came. In the name of Jesus, and all the glory we give unto you. In Jesus' precious name. Hallelujah. Let's put our hands together for the Lord as we take our seat. Hallelujah. I am going to be ministering on the mission of the Holy Ghost. The mission of the Holy Ghost. But I want to start from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That is the testimony of our salvation. The moment we give our life to Jesus, we are new. The Bible says all things have passed away. Everything has become new. And we need understanding and revelation because some of us, uh, that's God's design for us, but we don't allow the new to happen in our lives. Some of us are still holding on to some things in the past. Uh, some of us, we are still allowing the devil to make us think that we belong to the past. The moment you give your life to Jesus, there is no longer a record of your past in heaven. Even though Satan brings guilt, condemnation to your heart, but that is a lie of the devil. That has nothing to do with God. The moment you give your life to Jesus, you are forgiven. That is why as a Christian, don't celebrate, don't talk about your past if it doesn't glorify God. God doesn't know about it. He doesn't, I would say, if any man be in Christ, it's a new creation. All things have passed away, it's gone forever. It's like east and west will never meet. So God designed for you never to encounter your past. Now, but in verse 16, it says, Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. So when we give our life to Jesus, we now have a new brain, a new personality. We are now spirit people. You know, we were created originally as spirit beings. So when Adam fell in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says he died. But you know, he was still talking. What happened was that the spirit of God, that relationship with God, died. The spirit in him died. Now, when Jesus came, the Bible calls him the last Adam, the life-giving Adam. Jesus came to restore that life that was lost in the Garden of Eden. 
So you and I, after we have given our life to Jesus, we are back in Eden. We are back into God's original plan and design for our lives. Is somebody following me this morning? So you give your life to Jesus, you are now a spirit being. First of all, you need to develop a mentality of a spirit. Because if you don't do that, you are going to continue to live in the flesh. And unfortunately, things that shouldn't happen to you will be happening. For example, you wake up in the morning, you recognize that you are a spirit. You say, therefore, from now on, we regard no one, including myself and yourself, according to the flesh. We are no longer people in the flesh. We are people of the spirit. For example, spirit don't fall sick. So you tell yourself, because I am a spirit, I cannot forsake. I know that looks bogus, but that is the truth. That is God's design. God is not the author of sickness. He's, the, he's not the author of infirmity. It is not God's will that any of God's children to forsake. So when your body is attacked, you are fighting from a legal, spiritually legal point of view. I'm a spirit. This sickness ought not to be in my body. So you are not nursing the sickness. You are fighting it. Like it is, it doesn't belong to you. Is somebody hearing me this morning? Now, also, now, we have this nonsense, coronavirus going on, and we are tolerating it. We are nursing it. That's not what we ought to do as Christians. When unbelievers nurse it, they dress it, they talk about it, I understand that because they are unbelievers. But we are spirit beings. The spirit can't catch coronavirus. And I declare in the precious name of Jesus, no one under the sound of my voice, online or in-house, will be infected by this disease. In the name of Jesus, Somebody shout, I cannot catch coronavirus. I cannot catch it in the name of Jesus because the breath of God is in me. Now they said he attacks the lungs. If God's breath is in you, so where is the place where coronavirus will enter? God can't be infected with coronavirus. The Bible says, as he is, so are we. If he cannot be infected, then I cannot be infected. You cannot be infected. In the precious name of Jesus, you are inoculated by the blood of Jesus against every sickness and infirmity. In Jesus' mighty name, you are beyond reach. Of this plague. Unbelievers should not celebrate it. And if you are a member of this church, you are still home. I invite you to come back. Because over here, the blood of Jesus is in his premises. No, nothing is going to happen to you here in Jesus' precious name. I invite you to come take a step of faith. Be bold. And live the life that God ordained for you to be. Now, from now on, he said, we regard no one according to the flesh. So we are no longer people of the flesh. We are people of the spirit. That is why immediately you get born again, 
we strive, introduce you to the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit now takes over. Without the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you cannot live the Christian life. Not the way God designed it to be. It takes the Holy Spirit to, for you to reconcile heaven with your natural being. So this tells me every born again believer must be filled with the Holy Ghost. That is God's design. God designed Christianity. He, 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 make, he makes the Holy, Holy Spirit available for you and I to help us in our journey as a Christian in life. Don't try to be a Christian without the Holy Ghost. It's going to be full of frustration. Don't try to live any day without the Holy Ghost. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be like a task. And that is why sometimes Christianity, Christianity looks tasking to people. No, it's not God's fault. God didn't design for you to live on your own as a Christian. God designed for you to live it in the Holy Ghost. Glory be to God's name. So, and our relationship with the Holy Ghost is not a destination. It's a journey. It's, an, it's a continued adventure or a lifetime adventure. There is no place you grow to in life as a Christian that you will be independent of the Holy Ghost. I need the Holy Ghost every day. Now, for about two hours this morning, all I was saying, Holy Ghost, help me. I need your help. I need your help this morning. Holy Ghost, take over. Holy Ghost, this is your service. You will never get to a point where you are independent of the Holy Ghost. To be unconscious of the place of the Holy Ghost is to be vulnerable to everything. So the Holy Ghost has an unending mission or assignment in our lives. That's why we continue to strive to pray to be endued with power. In scriptures, God bless you, my sister. In scriptures, in Luke chapter 3, Jesus was baptized and was filled with the Holy Ghost in bodily form like a dove. Luke chapter 3. Verse 21 and 22. Bible says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open. And the Holy Spirit descended in a bodily form like a dove upon Jesus. And a voice came from heaven and said, you are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. So Jesus did not even start until he was filled with the Holy Ghost. The Messiah, his mission, his ministry, was trapped in a carpenter's house until he was filled with the Holy Ghost. Without the Holy Ghost, he never did nothing. He was baptized, was filled with the Holy Ghost. And it didn't stop there. And I'm trying to say this in case you have been filled with the Holy Ghost. You are spoken in tongues. You don't stop there. You can lose the Holy Ghost even though the tongues may remain. The Holy Ghost is not the tongues. 
The tongue is an initial sign. Let me say this, put it this way. You, you, you know you can have a, a, a non-drivable car, yet the license plate is there. Is somebody hearing me? It's not driving, but the plate is there. It has no engine, but the license plate is there. So a Christian without the infilling of the Holy Ghost, but with a song, it's like a car without an engine. It's not usable. Is somebody hearing me? So when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, it's the beginning of a relationship. It's a beginning of a journey. You never stop asking, Holy Ghost, I need your help. You recognize him. This is what I said in church not too long ago. Now, you wake up every morning. Holy Ghost, good morning. Holy Ghost, what do you have for me to do? Holy Ghost, I'm going to need your help today. Holy Ghost, help me. Somebody was saying this to me. A pastor was saying this 20 years ago. He said, God, you need to help me quickly before I do foolish things. Without the Holy Ghost, we can do foolish things. So you must recognize him as a person. Now, Jesus was filled with the Holy Ghost in Luke chapter 3. In Luke chapter 4, after being filled with the Holy Ghost, he went for empowerment. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights in Luke chapter 4. And the tempter, Satan came and tempted him. And in verse 14, the Bible says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Luke chapter 4 and verse 14. He was filled with the Holy Ghost in chapter 3. In, in chapter four, uh, verse 14 of chapter 4, he returned from fasting, from seeking God's face in the power of the Spirit. So you may be filled with the Holy Ghost. Are you operating in the power of the Spirit? So this requires fellowship, time with God. I'm telling you, church, this morning, without the power of the Spirit, you are a Christian. You go to church. Your life may not be different from an unbeliever. You may still be vulnerable to everything that happens to an unbeliever. And that's why we begin to ask questions. I'm a Christian. I go to church. Now, are you operating in the power of the Spirit? Let me say, Jesus returned. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. He returned in the power of the Spirit. He spent times, and through scriptures, through the gospel, you saw Jesus several times withdrew, crossed to the other side, other side of the river, other side of the lake. They were looking for him. He withdrew to go spend time with God, asking for more power of the Holy Ghost on his life. So, it's a continuous demand. It's a lifetime responsibility for every Christian. Hallelujah. In Matthew chapter 17 from verse 1, the Bible says, Now after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by himself, by themselves. He was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as a light. And behold, Moses, Elijah appeared to them. Now, Jesus was on the altar of prayer. On the altar of prayer, he began to interact with the spirit. Let me say the spirit of just men made perfect. He began to talk with Elijah and Moses. In 
in prayers. The demand for spiritual empowerment is a lifetime assignment for every Christian. You are running a risk every day you live as a Christian without the consciousness and acknowledgement of the help of the Holy Ghost. There is nothing we can do well without the Holy Ghost. No wonder the psalmist wrote in Psalm 63, verses 1 and 2, O God, you are my God, early will I seek you. My soul tests for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Yeah. Hunger for the Holy Ghost is hunger for power. The Holy Ghost is God's power. Everything God does, he does in the Holy Ghost. When he speaks, he speaks through the Holy Ghost. He heals, he heals through the Holy Ghost. Everything God does is through the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Wherever you see the power of the Holy Ghost, you will see his glory. You can encounter his power and be lacking in his glory. Now, every child of God is a child of destiny. What does that mean? Every child of God, if you are a Christian, you are created to have a glorious destiny. You are not created for problems. You are not created as a Christian to, I know this looks generic, but I'm bringing it to you. You see what I'm saying now. You are a child of destiny. You are created to live a higher life. You are created to be on top, not to live a lowly life. Hallelujah. You are not created to live under every child of God. I know somebody now is going to tell me, so what's wrong? How come we are not there? In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, the Bible says, And we know all things work together for good to those that love God. So you love him, all things was designed to work together for your good. Though you are here this morning, you are online this morning, shows the love of God. There are many things you could have been doing this morning. You can be watching TV, you can be doing some other foolish things all over the places. But you have dedicated these two, three hours because you love the Lord. Because everybody commits time to the one they love. Now it says to those who are called according to his purpose. So who are they called? You are a Christian because you answer a call. If you are a born again believer, or even if you are not born again this morning, but you are in this service, you are hearing the call right now. You are hearing it, or you have answered it because God called you. So every born again believer is called by God. You know, when we talk about calling, we always think about ministry, want to be a pastor. Now, that's a calling, but there is a call into the gospel. 
So you are born again because God called you. Some of us have friends. We went to school together. We did everything together. We have cousins, but they are not born again. Maybe they are not called. But you became born again because God called you. Now, if he calls you, now what does the Bible say again? He says, and to those who are the call according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew. So he knew you ahead of time and he planned to call you before you were born. He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, in verse 30, he says, moreover, whom he predestined. What does that mean? He already designed your life before you were born. He already designed for you to live a glorious life. I'm going there. I'm going to tell you something. So whom he called, he also justified. Whom he justified, he also glorified. So the calling of God on your life is to end up in glory. Now the question is this. How come we are all not experiencing this thing you are talking about, Pastor? Because, number one, the power of darkness. Number two, situations, circumstances, environment shape who we have become. But I'm telling you that God's original plan is for you to live in glory. And this morning, that's what God wants to restore in your life. In the precious name of Jesus, every shame of your life will end this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Your struggle, your pain, your tears, your crying, everything wrong in your life, in the precious name of Jesus, will be wiped away by his blood. So, we were called to have a glorious destiny. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 to 3, says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God, of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has, called, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. That's God's plan. And every born again believer is accepted in the beloved. So if you are here this morning, you feel unloved. Or you feel lonely. You feel some loneliness. I many of us have heard, or you know for a fact, that you, the fact that you are in the midst of people doesn't solve the problem of loneliness. Because the real love is God's love. The most dependable love, the most reliable love, is God's love. Somebody can love you today and hate you tomorrow. We are all accepted in God's love, God's beloved. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 30 to 6. So what I'm trying to tell you is this. If you are a Christian, settle with God's love. Be satisfied with God's love. What about people? That's extra. What about people's love? Extra. But the real love that I need in my life is God's love. When you celebrate the love of God, 
what people do or don't do around you won't move you. Then you start living, you stop living a roller coaster emotions of life. Because you, you feel love. Thank you, Jesus. How many of us can feel God's love this morning? How many of us this morning, you know God loves you? You know, if you think he doesn't, I understand that. Just a couple of days ago, a lady came to my office. She's been out of church for a while. We called her. She didn't come back. We called. She didn't come back. She didn't do nothing. She just showed up. She just called me. Apparently, she went to my house. I saw somebody on the camera. I haven't seen her for a long time. I didn't know she was the one. I, I, I texted my daughter. I said, are you expecting somebody? She said, no, because she was home. I said, okay. I saw somebody on the camera at the door. Then she, she, this lady now called me. She said, where are you? I said, I'm at church. I'm at the office early in the morning, like 8 o'clock. She said, I'm coming to see you. She said, I've been to your house. I said, what happened? She said, I feel that God doesn't love me. That's why I have been away. I've been home. I don't feel God's love. I, I feel helpless. Many things. I mean, she's going through some situations. I said, that's where the devil wants you to be. Now, for two years, has that improved? No, you don't run away from God's love. You run into God's love. When you feel unlovable, you feel helpless, you feel challenged, you feel things are going wrong in your life, that is time to not miss service. You never run away from your lover. We are all accepted. I told her, I said, all the devil wants is for you to run away from God's love. Now you have no love in your life. When we give our life to Jesus, this is God's design for you and I. But it takes the ministry of the Holy Ghost to see and accept all these things. In Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you out in you as a prophet. Now, I'm going somewhere this morning. I'm trying to show you the importance of the Holy Ghost. So, Paul was, uh, uh, Jeremiah was saying this. So, God knew everybody in advance. And in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15, Paul says, but when he pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace. Paul was testifying of that. You know why I'm laughing? Without the Holy Spirit, you can be working against your own destiny. Paul was an enemy of his purpose in life without the Holy Ghost. Paul's fulfillment was the gospel. Paul's life was to preach the gospel. But because he hadn't had an encounter with the Holy Ghost, he was an enemy of the gospel. I'm trying to tell you this morning, frustration can come in your life because you are on a wrong path. It takes the Holy Ghost to show you the right path of life. Without the Holy Spirit, you might be living life as a gamble. Or you might be living as a copycat. You are doing what somebody is telling you to do. You are running someone else's script or someone else's blueprint, not a blueprint of your life. It takes the ministry of the Holy Ghost to be in God's plan. 
So the Holy Ghost is more than, oh, I speak in tongues. No, the Holy Ghost is to make your life beautiful. Without the ministry of the Holy Ghost, our life will lack meaning. Without the ministry of the Holy Ghost, we cannot live a fulfilled life. I thank God I'm preaching the gospel today. I thank God that's all I've done in America for 21 years. Because the Holy Ghost told me. And I could never pretend not to have had. So I was never tempted to do something else. Paul said, but when he pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb. So you don't design or determine your life. You have to discover it in the Holy Ghost. Because the Holy Ghost is a custodian of God's plan and God's secret. Hallelujah. Vision is the unfolding of God's plan. In John chapter 16 and verse 13 to 14, however, when the Spirit, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into her truth. For He will not speak of His on His own authority, but whatever He hears from God, He will speak. He will tell you of yourself. He will tell you things you don't know about yourself. He will tell you about your future. The Holy Ghost reveals God's plan and purpose for, for us. If you are here this morning, you, are not, you have not filled with the Holy Ghost, or you want some more, I want to lift up your hands. Lift up those hands and just ask for Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, fill me up this morning. I want more. I want more. I want more. Fill me afresh. I want more. Ask him quietly, wherever you are, in Jesus' mighty name. I said earlier, I said, Paul was the enemy of his own purpose without the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter 9 from verse 1, the Bible said, Then Saul, still breathing, you know that it was Saul before he became Paul. Then Saul, still breathing threat and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogue of Damascus, so that he, if he found any who were of the way or any who of Jesus, anyone preaching the gospel, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So he went to legalize murder. He went to incorporate the ministry of destruction against the disciples. But meanwhile, he had an assignment from God to take the gospel to the Gentiles. But here, look at him. What if he had killed all of them? Who would have mentored him into ministry? Who would have laid hands on him? Who would have coached him? He was never there with Jesus physically. He went to get a letter, order, authority, so that if he kills, he has not committed any crime. And only against the disciples. Talking about Paul. As he journeyed, came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone 
around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? The Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city. You'll be told what you must do. So that was Paul before, that, that was his encounter. But he used, it was a killer before the encounter with the Holy Ghost. I'm trying to tell us this morning, somebody can invest a lifetime on a wrong path without the help of the Holy Spirit. So how do you know I'm on the, wrong, on the right lane of life? Number one, you are going to be fulfilled. A lot of fulfillment, then you are going to see divine help. Because every vision from God has a provision from God. You know why this church is on this space, this expanse of land, on this property? Because before Pastor and Pastor Stephanie moved here, God designed this place waiting for them. That was why nobody could get it until they came. It was a provision that God made ahead of the vision. In Galatians chapter 1 verse 11, prior to the one I read earlier on, the same Paul now read, say, but I make known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor I was taught it. But it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure, and I tried to destroy it. <laughs> the same Paul testified, he pleased God who separated me. He said, but before the Holy Ghost, I was a destroyer. And I advanced Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries in my nation. Being more exceedingly zealous in the wrong thing for the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, so this morning I believe it has pleased God and the Holy Ghost to rescue your life and give your life a meaning and start something new, something brand new in your life by the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. So Paul was talking about his record and reputation for being a murderer. So he took the ministry of the Holy Ghost Church. He took the ministry of the Holy Ghost. For Paul, it used to be Saul, for him to change and become who he now is. Thank you, Jesus. Without the Holy Spirit, this Christian work is a task. That is the truth. The Bible calls him our helper. First, you must know that the Holy Spirit is a person. He has his own personality. The Holy Spirit is not an heat. He's an he. Again, I want to lift up your hands as you are sitting. And I ask for fresh baptism and the help of the Holy Ghost. 
I'll give you about a minute to do that. Please go ahead. Ask for the help of the Holy Spirit. Ask for the help of the Holy, Holy Ghost. Ask for the help of the Holy Ghost. Go ahead and ask for his help, people of God. Go ahead this morning. Go ahead this morning. Go ahead this morning. Go ahead this morning. Ask for the help of the Holy Spirit. Ask for the help of the Holy Spirit, wherever you are. Ask for the help of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' precious name. Thank you, Jesus. Now, in John chapter 3 and verse, verse 8, the Bible says, The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So we are supposed to, be, to live our life in the Holy Ghost. Now, without the Holy Spirit, we are dead people spiritually. I, I want to say something. I, I don't want you to feel judged this morning. Most of our challenges as Christians come because the Holy Ghost is not at work in our lives. We have not given him his place where and what he deserves. We are living unmindful of his operation in our lives. The Holy Ghost is the anointing of God. is God's power. So you can, there are some things that won't happen to you because you carry God inside of you. The Holy Ghost is God inside of you. I was talking about coronavirus earlier on. If you have God in you, you have the breath of God in you. How will coronavirus enter? Is somebody hearing me? <laughs> in the precious name of Jesus, receive the breath of God in your lungs. In the name of Jesus. To heal and deliver you from any kind of sickness, whatever the name is, in the name of Jesus. Without the Holy Spirit, the Bible says in James chapter 2 and verse 26, for as the body without the Spirit is dead. So without the Holy Ghost, we are not alive in God. Hallelujah. One great man of God says something. He said, I don't trust my heart. I don't know what I am going to do next without the help of the Holy Ghost. John chapter 6, verse 63 says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. It is the Spirit. So the life that we have as a Christian, the new life has to be by the Holy Ghost. Romans 8 and 11, But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, dwells in you. If the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, 
He will raise Christ. That spirit will give life to your mortal bodies. True spirit who dwells in you. Without the Holy Ghost, we are incomplete. Without the ministry of the Holy Ghost, we are not balanced. We are unbalanced people. Without the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost and God, they go one in one. We know about the Godhead, three in one. God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Ghost. God is Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost is God. God is Jesus. Holy Ghost is Jesus. You are never supposed to be independent of them as a Christian. Thank you, Jesus. So, how do we engage the ministry of the Holy Ghost? First, don't forget, it begins by you being filled with the Holy Ghost. You must hunger for the Holy Ghost. I'm saying all of this for you to know the importance of the Holy Spirit. You must hunger for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. You can speak in tongues and not be filled with the Holy Ghost. Because you can fake the spirit. You can fake the fruit. You can come and swing and scream and do all kinds of things. And we will assume it's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> you know what David Youngish chose said? That great man of, of the blessed memory that changed the world. He said, somebody that is filled with the Holy Ghost cannot just step out of here and go and be fighting. You can be filled with the Holy Ghost and manifesting the uh, spirit of the evil. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because the Holy Ghost, no matter what somebody did to you, the Holy Ghost tell you, no, you can't fight. You will take control of your life. So we engage in the Holy Ghost. I said earlier on, you begin by being conscious of him every day. Holy Spirit, good morning. Holy Spirit, I need your help today. Holy Spirit, help me today throughout. No matter what you are doing, Holy Spirit can make you the best doctor. He can make you the best pastor. He can make you the best teacher. He can make you the best businessman. He can make you the best husband, the best wife. Holy Ghost can make you the best on anything. But you need to be conscious of him and relate to him as a personality. You need to be aware of him. Number two, by praying in the Holy Ghost. You must be filled with the Holy Ghost. You must be conscious of him. You must constantly pray in the Holy Ghost. Jude, verse 20, it has only one chapter. But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. That's how you begin to advance. You begin to advance into the spirit world. You begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. You don't speak in tongues. They lay hands on you and don't do nothing and don't interact with the Holy Ghost. If you have a friend for a long time, you don't communicate, you don't call that friend. You're gonna, it's going to be your ex-friend. The next time you meet, you're going to be like strangers. You know why we remain so connected? But we talk 
we, we have scheduled talk. Scheduled. We have to catch up. We have to catch up. So praying in the spirit sharpens your spirituality. Pray in the spirit keeps the fire of the Holy Ghost burning in your soul. Romans chapter 8 and verse 26. Likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. Some of us are, we are, we are, we are feeling, I don't know how to pray. Of course, you don't know how to pray because you're not filled with the Holy Ghost. The Bible said we don't even know how to pray or what to pray for because we, 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 he said, but the Spirit himself make intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be halted. And Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 14, for if I pray in tongue, my spirit prays. If I pray in tongues, my spirit, the spirit of God in me prays. You engage the Holy Ghost by acknowledging him as a personality. The Holy Ghost is not an heat. It's not high T. It's H-E. He's a person. Maybe this is going to help some of us. God and Jesus, they don't have a bodily form like this. They are spirit. Because I know some of us, we have an image of God that he has two legs, two hands, and one head, big head like my own. <laughs> but that's not true. God does not have a bodily form. Jesus does not have a bodily form. The only bodily form he had was because he came in the flesh. He had to come in the flesh so that we can be able to relate to him. But naturally, he did not, he never had a bodily form. But he had to come in the flesh so that we can believe that. He's trying to show us that, you saw these things I'm doing in the flesh, this is who you are, you also can do it. If he had come in his glory as a spirit, how, how, how would they relate to him? Then the Bible says we're made in God's image and likeness. So it makes us think, okay, they draw a picture of God and formed man. No, if God were to exist in bodily form, it would have been like this. But it doesn't exist in bodily form. So you acknowledge the same grace, the same everything you owe to the Holy Ghost, to Jesus and God, to the Holy Ghost. So what are his missions? The Holy Spirit is our helper. How many of us have needed some help in our lives before? In any area. Don't try to get help without the Holy Ghost. I know man can help you. I know somebody can say, well, God will use people. But ask the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost may bring somebody you don't know. Somebody you know may disappoint you because God has, is not the one God has designed to help you. If you ask for the Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost will lead you to the one that will help you. In John chapter 14 and verse 16 to 18, and I will pray the Father, he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. 
So, Holy Ghost mission in our lives is forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So without the Holy Ghost, we are in spiritual orphanage. He said, I will not leave you as orphan. I will give you the Holy Ghost. So without the Holy Ghost, we are fatherless. Without the Holy Ghost, every Christian is a spiritual orphan. We are helpless and fatherless without the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is our standby helper in every situation of helplessness. What does that mean? There is no place you are that you don't have the Holy Ghost with you. But you need to, you are in prison. Holy Ghost is there with you. That's not your portion in Jesus' precious name. That's not going to happen to somebody here. But I'm trying to say that nobody can shut the Holy Ghost away from your life. Because Holy Spirit is everywhere. You are in a car, you're trying to call triple A, no help is around, Holy Ghost is there. It's everywhere. Hallelujah. The Holy Ghost is our most reliable, most dependable helper. John chapter 16 and verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Jesus was speaking. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. What does that mean? The Holy Ghost was designed and ordained by God to take over from where Jesus stopped. So Jesus transfer our lives into the Holy Ghost. Number two, the Holy Spirit is our teacher in all things. How many of us this morning you will like some knowledge, some more understanding? The Holy Ghost is the best teacher. In John chapter 14 and verse 26, he said, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring your rem- to your remembrance all things that I said to you. The Holy Ghost will teach you all things. The Holy Ghost can teach you in academics. The Holy Ghost can teach you the Bible, of course. The Holy Ghost can teach you people's character. It can teach you who to watch out for, who to cling on. The Holy Ghost can show you your destiny helpers. It teaches you all things. The Holy Ghost will not make you live a confused life. The Holy Ghost will shed light to every darkness. You have some folks around you, you don't know their heart. You're trying to wonder, I don't know if this is a friend or if it's an enemy. It looks like a friend, but I have a caution in my spirit. The Holy Spirit will teach you. You need the Holy Ghost. You need knowledge to make smart decisions. Some of us have made dumb decisions in our lives. 
Do you know that if we look into the most part of what people are going through today, they are self-inflicted problems. They are problems of poor choices we made in the past. Wrong relationship. Wrong location. The Holy Ghost can make you do it right. In John chapter 16, verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you can't handle them now. Jesus was speaking. However, when he, don't forget I said the Holy Spirit is a he. When he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. There will be no redo in your life. For he will not speak of his own authority. But whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. He will take what is, what is mine and declare it to you. So the Holy Ghost goes into the heart of God and tells you things of God. The Holy Ghost lets you know God's plan for your life. He sheds light into every darkness. You know, without the Holy Ghost, we are bound to make mistakes. And mistakes can be very, very costly. Holy Ghost is the only guarantee that you are in the right direction in life. Without the guidance of the Holy Ghost, we're going to make mistakes and do foolish things. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12. Proverbs 16 and 25. Proverbs 14, 12. Proverbs 16, 12, 25. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. Without the Holy Ghost, how many things have looked right that we have done that we know we got into trouble with? How many people have said, I do, I do, on the altar of marriage to their enemies? There is a way that seems right to a man. Without the Holy Ghost, we do what feels right. I want to tell you this morning, what feels right is not good enough. It has to be what the Holy Spirit is telling you. Don't ever go by feeling. Your feelings are not always right. Don't live by feeling. The Bible says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. By sight means not by feelings. Your feelings are not always going to be right. If you live now, feelings are unstable. So if you live by feelings, you're going to have a roller coaster life. But when you allow the Holy Spirit to lead the way, the Holy Spirit lead you with certainty, the mind of God, because God knows what is going to happen tomorrow from now. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is a way of death. So if you are here this morning, you are suffering some pain of a poor choice that looked perfect when you made it. God is how to heal you in the name of Jesus. Or maybe you knew it wasn't going to be right, but you were not, you couldn't get yourself out of it. God will deliver you this morning in Jesus' name. The Holy Ghost is the custodian of God's plan.
God's, the architect of our lives. Number three, the Holy Spirit is our comforter. We've been through things in life that some comforting will be good. The Holy Ghost is the chief comforter. You know, some of us, how many of us have been there before? The other man tried to comfort you, the more difficult it is to receive it. The more people are saying, the more you are feeling like, I don't, they don't know what it feels. Yes, you appreciate what they are saying, but it's not doing the work. The pain, the sorrow still remains. The Holy Ghost is the chief comforter. Because the Holy Spirit has a fruit of joy. So when the Holy Ghost fills your life, the spirit of joy comes, now sorrows and pain will go. We're not talking about temporal happiness. Joy and being happy, they are not the same thing. Happiness comes from events, situations. You can be happy in the morning and be sad in the evening. You can be happy in the, before the service and something goes wrong. And, uh, but when the spirit of joy comes, nothing touches you on the inside. In Lamentations chapter 1 and verse 16, for these things I weep, my high, my high overflows with water. If you are here this morning, you are shedding tears on the inside. He says, because the comforter who should restore my life is far from me. So are you a broken vessel this morning? Nobody knows what it really takes or feels to be you. You smile to people, but deep down there, you know you are unhappy. God wants to heal you. 